the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Why do I love FanDuel? Let me tell you. Because it's America's number one sportsbook. I like facts. I like knowing that they are number one in the space. There's also amazing odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, CBB, and so much more. It's also safe and secure and super quick payouts. You get your winnings delivered as quickly as two hours. It's amazing. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on this show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so happy this is finally happening. I kept kind of wondering, like, when when are we going to get to do this interview? What's going to happen? I know you've been pretty, like, selective about where you wanted to hop on and who you wanted to talk to um, since parting ways with WWE. But how have you been, dude? What's going on? Sure, I've been I've been great, honestly. I, I feel exactly how I thought I was going to feel after leaving, asking for my departure. And honestly, and you know this, like, when you have family, you got somebody to go home to you got those little ones that like wrestling just looks different now for me so uh i love it i love my life right now let's roll things way back because here's the i feel like nobody knows anything about you they just know lindsay they don't know anything about the guy underneath the mask and any interview that's why i've been so selective any interview i've ever at or have asked to been on they ask you the general wrestling questions and that doesn't interest me a lot of people, even in WWE, didn't know I can speak English. Yeah. How crazy is that? that? Like the people in WWE assume that you couldn't speak English. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Day one. I remember. Actually, I remember we debuted in Memphis. And then like the next week we were going to Canada and somebody I'm not going to say who it was, but he was like, hey, brother, you got your green card. And I'm like, I'm from New Jersey, like <laughs> born and raised American. I'm just Puerto Rican in America. Like it was a bad disconnect. People like not understanding who I was. A lot of people not understanding that I could speak English, let alone was a math teacher, parent of four. You know, like I, there was a lot of things about me that I wish was out there. 
you're in wrestling, you go to ECW, join their promotion or join their training and whatnot there. Um, but the goal was always to get to WWE. So when the opportunity comes up for the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, what all kind of transpired with that? You got eliminated what second round and then were offered a contract after that? Yeah. Again, got to thank one of the good brothers, Claudio, for putting my name out there. Uh, I also helped that I was in Florida already. So, you know, WWE was like, okay, cool. I ain't got to pay nothing. Did you move to Florida because of wrestling or you moved down there because of teaching? No, I moved down there because my daughter was going to be born in Florida. And again, I didn't want to be that dad to, to not be in her life. I, I just wrote about this in my book, which I'm writing. Oh. And I was 27, 28, and I make gear. And I just like had this epiphany that I was like, man, I did a lot of things. Like to me at that time, 30 was like the no, no number. Like people were talking about. So like, if you didn't make it by then you weren't making it. And, you know, I had this like moment where I was like 27, 28. And, uh, you know, I was talking to my girl. I said, yo, this number's approaching. And if I don't get signed by WWE, I did Japan. I did impact like spot shows for them. You know, I did Mexico. I did everything I could. Maybe that's what life had like given me. So I think uh, Claudio and Gabe Sapolsky had put in my name, you know, because I had worked with Gabe before with Evolve and Dragon Gate USA and all these other promotions. And, um, you know, he, he saw me as a good talent and saw me, you know, as an opportunity for maybe for me to sink or swim. And that's all I wanted to do. Like, I just wanted an opportunity. I didn't want to push or let me sink or swim on my own. Like, if I fail, at least I fail on my own. After the first round, after wrestling Ali, which we killed it in five minutes and everybody, we had the shortest amount of time too in in the Cruiserweight Classic first round. And we felt disrespected. But at the same time, we're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's show them that we don't need that much time to go out and kill it. Mm -hmm. Let me show them like what Cruiserweight style is, like just in and out. And that's what got me my contract. That I think the match, how we how we were able to do, you know, time management, how we were able to put it together, because me and Ali, we thought WWE before WWE. Like when we put our matches together, yeah, we had some crazy spots, but like it was always about the moment. And um, right after the first round, they had a meeting and I saw all the good brothers like get called up like, hey, we need this guy, that guy. And you know what they were getting called up for? Like they were getting offered a contract, but you don't hear your name. And you're like, damn, I, I made it to the second round. I couldn't even get a, like, hey, good job. Or like a, a contract, like, you know, a contract would be nice. Yeah. But anyway, I was making Bailey's gear. And uh, I remember a 203 number had called me and I'd never seen a 203 number in my life. And I picked up and I said, hello. And he goes, hi, is this Lindsay? And I go, yeah, who's this? And he goes, it's Darren. Regal? I go, who? And he goes, William Regal. <laughs> And I go, oh, hold on one second. I said, Mr. Regal, you got to apologize. My brother is a piece of shit. I'm sorry. Uh, how can I help you? And he's like, yeah, uh, basically, we want to offer you a contract. So if anybody's talked to you, please, you know, at least hear us out after the second round. I said, thank you very much. I played it off very cool. I was like, uh -huh. super cool. I got off that phone. I called everybody and my mother. I said, yo, we're about to go to the Fed. We're about to get signed, baby. I don't care what they say. We're about to get signed. Then impact hit me up. I was like, let me entertain this. I like this. I like, I like to see the options. Yeah. And they said, hey, we have an idea. Can you come in Tuesday? And this was the same week as the first round of WWE, uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, which was taped on a Thursday. So I'm at Impact on Tuesday. And I wrestled Mandrews as uh, my other character because I didn't want to jeopardize anything with Lindsay for I wanted him for the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. And Renee, we banged it. We killed it. Mm -hmm. Like, I bet. like people want, and I wasn't even signed to the company and they were like, yo, let's do it. 
And I remember um, homie snow and a couple other guys came up to me, offered me a contract and right there on the spot, I was like, I said, thank you very much for the offer, but I'm going to get signed by WWE. And this is before even having that conversation with oh WWE. My God, oh my God. Oh my God. So again, I'm manifesting all of this. I'm like, if it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be like, so we show up to that second round. We wrestled. I wrestled Rich Swan. Love my dude that I saw him yesterday. Like I'd do anything for that dude. He was the one that also told me that I was going to get signed. I was like, nah, you lying. Shut up. And then um, I hear my name get called at the end. And I was teaching at this time. And I was already like seven years in teaching. In my head, I said, y'all can offer me $1 more than my contract for teaching. And I take it. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what it is. I'll take it. $1 more. But it's got to be more than my teaching contract. So when you had to make that decision to jump from being a teacher into professional wrestling, what were the conversations you were having at home with you and your wife? For sure. One was like, who are we getting paid more? Because like yeah. we were struggling, like I said, and everybody struggles. But like it really was like we had a two bedroom townhouse living four people in like, you know, it was very hard. So when we had that little bit of boost income, it was like, let's get the necessities set up. So that way we're good. It was also hard for me professionally because I saw so many teachers leave when I was teaching, because Florida is a transitional school for not only students, but teachers. And I would see students have a substitute for like four months, three months. And I was like, damn, they're not learning anything. And I didn't want to be that teacher to just bounce. But I didn't feel like I was inspiring kids to like want to be here. I would have great, great rapport with my kids. Like they loved coming to my class because they, they didn't come to a math class. They came to Mr. Cordero's class, who was going to be yeah it was math but like damn i'm gonna have a good time i'm gonna feel like not like i'm in school you know i'm gonna entertain them as a teacher that's that's how i practice entertaining yeah. through teaching when you got into wwe and um your you know 205 live becomes a thing um lucha house party becomes a thing you never got any mic time do you really wish that that was something that you were able to do to add more layers to your character. I know that that was a thing that had been, uh, you know, a bit of a point of frustration for, I believe all of you for in Lucha house party is like not, not really getting that time, not getting these layers to your character. Do you think that um, being able to jump on the mic would have helped a little bit, especially for you? Every time they did let us on the mic, we killed it. I know toward the end, me and me and metallic were like, especially with riddle, I felt like yeah. we were killing it. And especially we were given suggestions that they were like, yeah, let's do that. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. And like, yeah, there were little battles that were won, but like the fact that they were like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. Like made it seem like, Hey, maybe I know what I'm doing. Let me kind of like, let me do my thing. But honestly, Renee, man, I just felt like I felt the rule. I felt like I wasn't meant to do anything else because anything we ever pitched that was cool or different or revolutionary that I always thought was revolutionary just wasn't for us. Yeah. No, we just don't need that right now. Or like, like no, what? I didn't want us to be in gear for any promos. I was like, let us be like Santo and Blue Demon. Let us be like a society of luchadors of like, you know, dignity and, and like respect and hard. I wanted us to be like hard, like a male version of Charlie's Angels where they could be cool and sexy and badass, but still like get shit done and exciting yeah. and interact with each other. And uh, the original Lucha House Party idea, like we, we wanted our own like mansion, like not mansion, like our own little like hotspot we had a, like a legit set that we wanted that wasn't like cost effective. Like everything that I, I literally walked through the props truck and I was like, all right, you got this. I could do that with that. You got this. Cool. Let me come back in a two weeks with an idea and be like, look, you ain't got to pay for nothing. Like y'all got it here. It would just was like, oh, these are great ideas. 
just not for you or any Lucha guy right now. We just need Lucha Lucha. And I remember they would give Manny like promos and like no lines for us in the back because, you know, he had the equity. So they gave him the lines and we were just left to do the Lucha Lucha at the end to the point where I had to have that conversation with somebody. I'm like, Hey, I'm talking to you just like I would talk online. Like, can we, could you throw in some other lines other than Lucha Lucha? Like there's more presence to that. And even toward the end, when we had promos and they wanted us to bust out Lucha Lucha, I would tell Metallic, like at the end, don't say Lucha Lucha. Just say yeah to their face and then be like, nah, just don't do it. Like at the end and let them just cut it. And when they ask us like, oh, are you guys going to say Lucha Lucha? I'm like, no, like we just don't feel like we're not into it right right now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, nah. It just felt like a role that is WWE. Everything has a role, but mm-hmm. I just was like, "Dan, can I have some input in this role at least? Yeah. Let's try to like work together to give it something a little more to keep you entertained, to keep people entertained, like from all aspects, it should be more collaborative. Co- or co- can we compromise on it? That would be my yeah. biggest word. Like, is there any compromise in here? And like, they would hate that word. Like uh, the dudes that I would work with because like I put them on the spot. I want to know like, yo, like, are you telling me that this is how it's going to be? Or can we like be creative and be like, make this awesome? Cause I don't want to put anything half at, like, I don't want to put out something that anybody could just hold a phone up and do. Like, I really want to put time and effort into my stuff and make it seem like it's totally different than any other luchador or any other, like not only luchador, but you know, that is my goal to be different than every other luchador, which I feel like I have, but also be different than everybody else out there. Like yeah. busting out content, talking like i ask every promotion please let me talk let me just cut a promo i don't care if you you use it let me just do it i just want to make sure like yeah my voice is heard i got a voice i can talk i know i can let me just do it how hard was it for you to come to the conclusion of asking for your release i mean you talk about the things that you have been through from giving up teaching moving into professional wrestling i mean from your childhood to all these things of not having much and finally having this great paycheck was it really difficult for you to decide to to want to walk away from that. Of course, it's difficult to say like, I quit, right? Because that's ultimately what I did. I quit. I said, this is not for me because y'all not fulfilling me creatively. The job was easy, Brene. Yeah. The job is easy to be, for somebody who loves pro wrestling, the job is easy. But somebody who loves pro wrestling, the job is very frustrating because WWE is not a wrestling company. They are a movie company. But somebody who loves pro wrestling and understands that and wants to contribute is frustrating. And I kept going home and bringing homework or like home back and taking that frustration back on my family and being like so secluded and just not wanting to be around anybody. And even like to the point of my kids, like they know not to watch my matches. They just like they don't watch my matches because like daddy loses. Like, oh, that's so you know, sad. they don't they don't they don't like they're just so numb to wrestling because of that feeling like it it is frustrating and i was like you know what fuck that i'm not i would never ever jeopardize my family's in like integrity and mood because i feel like i'm not getting what i deserve or what we deserve metallic was the first one to ask i had a conversation with him that night and like we had the conversation too me and and homie you know the bosses to be about possibly leaving especially when we had that conversation with metallic But I said, hey, this meeting right now is for Metallic. We'll have a a different conversation separate. But uh, I knew because of that, my family was more important. My happiness was more important. My mental state was more important. And uh, creatively, I wasn't happy. How was that for you to have those moments of getting back to wrestling and back to being creative and like falling back in love with professional wrestling? 
Oh my gosh. I, so I've had four matches already and yeah. like a couple of signings, the signings I'm not really too fond of. Like, <laughs> I feel like that makes me like I'm done wrestling and old and I'm not there yet. But that first match back, I had it with my friend. I actually had it at my college. My college has a, a program growing after hours. You know, they have a program where they try to keep the kids out of trouble. And one of the nights they bring in wrestling and one of the old wrestling promotions out in New Jersey, I used to wrestle for asked me, Hey, do you mind having your first match back here? And I said, yeah, I would love to, because one is going to be with my friend and two, like it's a familiar spot and no, no time limit, no anything. So I could do whatever I want. Yeah, I'll definitely do it. And I'm not going to lie. I was blown up. I was like, <laughs> it was so cold in Jersey. I was like, Cause I hadn't wrestled since September or October, yeah. like three, yeah. four months. Like it was like, and a singles match. I was, I've been Woo. wrestling as a tag match for like four years. Like give me a breather. there was four times that probably I was like, please give me a second. Hold on. But <laughs> it was, it was fun to just like let loose yeah. really like not care about like who does this, who does that? Like really just like, what's, what's going to be the style I want people to be like, that's cool. I want them to talk about my matches all the time. So it was just uh, exhilarating. Who do you want to be now while you're out there wrestling? You said you're four matches in. Like, what are the different things that you're going to be bringing to the table and that, that you want people to take away from your matches? A hundred percent. I either want to start my matches with a promo or leading up to this, the, the match, you're going to hear a promo from me. I'm going to put something out there and it's going to look good. So that way people are like, damn, like, okay, then they should let this guy talk the Get whole it. time. I'm legit. And there's not a lot of people who can say like, yo, they legit, but like, I'm legit. I love fighting. I love amateur wrestling. I love jujitsu. Right. And I want to bring that idea of like violence to my matches where it's like Lucha violence, yeah. where people are like that mix of like awesome Lucha Libre with violence. Like every time you see Lucha Libre, no offense to any of my friends, they're great athletes, but it's just like, it's Lucha Libre. There's nothing else different from that match to the next match and all that. But when you see somebody who can come in and like is legit and look legit and can do everything, I could do everything under the sun. I know I can. Yeah. I'm very smart with it. I'm very selective. But when you can see somebody who I like to call myself the Lex Luger, I'm the total package. Yeah. Like in the ring, outside the ring, like I will give you everything and everything. I have a side note. Um, What happened with you and that Izzy kid's dad? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> well, because I truly like it was one of those things that it's not like I was like closely following anything, but I would see it pop up on like social media. I'm like, what's happening here? I don't like I know who she is. I remember her from NXT. But beyond that, I don't know what's happening. What happened? Let me start off by saying this is probably the first time I'm talking about it publicly. And this has nothing to do with no female. I don't I, if I ever have a problem. It's never with a female. Let me talk to the man. I always will talk to the man. Let me show you. I'm showing you respect by doing that. I, I don't ever want to yell at a female. Let me talk to the man. And uh, I also want to say before I go on that this has nothing to do with the wrestlers involved for the incident I'm about to talk about. Because I know what it's like to be a wrestler and hustle and make that money no matter what. Not on them. So now I was in WWE. I forget exactly when it happened. I want to say like 18 and his daughter took a choke slam in a ring. And I said, as a parent and a professional wrestling, knowing what it fucking feels like to take a bump, that's fucking dumb. I would never let my kids like do that. So if you think that's cool, hey, that's on you. I said, that's you. But my personal opinion, I think is wrong. Well, I guess he got butthurt about it. But I, you know, I don't care. I don't read, I don't read anything that's not in the verified page. 
you know, me and a couple other guys in this group chat and we find out like I had already asked for my release too, you know, and uh, I remember playing Call of Duty and I remember there being rumblings like there's going to be releases, there's going to be releases. So in that day, I 100% thought I was going to be released. I was like, I'm cool with it because I asked for it. So let's go. Let's do it. Got release, stayed off my phone. Right. Cause I, you know, I didn't want to complete disconnect. And then uh, the next morning I was going to the gym at five 30 in the morning. And one of my boys had screenshotted what Izzy's dad said, saying, good luck in your future endeavors. Smiley face. Like basically poking me. I said, okay. And this was at five 30. I said, seven o'clock in the morning, I'm going to tweet him at him. So then I said, I want to be the first thing that this dude reads when he wakes up 7.00 AM. I'm going to tweet him where I'm going to be at. I'm going to tweet them. Hey, let's come have this conversation. Like men come show up. Let's talk. I didn't say anything about fighting or anything like that. If you want to talk, please say this to my face, but understand there's consequences when you, when you talk. So this dude, I, mean, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't honestly did not think anything of it because my brain was like jujitsu tournament. Let's go redemption. Cause I had lost my first tournament. And I know the guy that I lost to is in this one. So I was like, redemption, redemption. And I had that fuel of like, all right, I'm free from WWE. Like, I'm going to just go out there and like, like first word out of my mouth is going to be the F-bomb, like, because you couldn't do it over there. And like, like the <laughs> next one, I'm, I'm going to just take out this dude. And then like, I just started my, my phone just blow up. Like, and I was like, what the heck? Like, my phone never blows up. I'm, nobody blows up Lindsay Dorado's tweet because they don't know they got, he's got a Twitter or they don't know he speaks English. So I don't, I'm not going to read what he says. <laughs> oh but on God. this day, they were like, I'm going to read it. And they were like, apparently this guy was an asshole to a lot of other dudes and females. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I know what it's like to stand up to bullies. I'll be your bully stand. Like I'll be your shield. Like I got you. Mm -hmm. This guy is done really being a piece of shit. Uh, not only to me, but to all my friends and to wrestling in general. Like, I don't want to go to a show and be like, oh my God, this asshole is here. No, let's nip it in the butt. Let's talk. Let's just have a conversation. Cause I'm not going to come in in the same room with you and be fake with you. I'm just not doing that. So then I said, let me go buy him some tickets. I bought him four tickets, one for him, one for his wife, one for his daughter, and one for the ass whooping I wanted to give him just in case I wanted to give him the ass whooping. I took a picture of it and I tweeted him. I said, hey, now you got no excuse. Be a man, show up. You ain't got to pay for nothing. Let's fucking talk. That's all I want to do. Then this dude messaged me the same apology he put out on Twitter. And I said, no, you got to talk to me in my face. This, this bullshit, I don't, I don't have words. I don't have words uh, through conversation or text. Come talk to me like a man to my face. And then he wrote hashtag apology. Then he put it out there and deleted a social. And at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? One for the good guys. Fuck that bully. We're done with him. Yes. And I just never, I never brought it up again because he's not worth it. Well, it's just unfortunate when people like feel like they can say whatever they want. And not only like the fact of like no consequences, but like, you're being really shitty to people that do read the things that you're saying. And like that fucking sucks, especially kicking someone when they're down. Like, haha, good luck in your future endeavors. It's like, dude, I don't care what wrestler you say you are. Every wrestler has some kind of mental thing when it comes to this. Like mm -hmm. it really does make them question themselves. Like there's a confidence, like everybody who is, I don't care if you're confident, you're always going to question yourself if you're in pro wrestling. And when you see pieces of shit like that constantly to you and other people, like at what point does somebody say, yo, stop that shit or else I'm going to knock you out. And I wasn't saying that I was going to knock him out because I don't want him to be like, oh, he said he's going to knock me out. Right. No, but I, I just wanted to have words, but it may have ended that way. 
I'm not going to lie to you. It's just like not, you know, it's like the example you're setting for your kid who is so into wrestling and she works really hard and, you know, I want her to be successful. I want, I don't ever want anybody because of some shitty mistake that their parents made. Yeah. Like I want her to be successful. It's just, I just cannot support the idea of a child taking a bump. And if you don't like that idea and you want to chastise me for years, just know that, yo, I'm going to get you, dog. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we got to clear that up and have that conversation because I was very curious what happened there. Um, you're a you've what else do you have going on? Your four matches in. When can people see you wrestle next? Every week I'm booked right now. I, besides uh, this week, I have a signing and one show, which I'm hoping that I could perform depending on how yeah. my leg feels. Yeah. Um, you know, I got some stuff coming up. I, I'm going to be focusing on some Mexico stuff. Um, PWX is a big thing that's over here in North Carolina. That's really good that I'm going to be doing their tournament for right now. I just, I really am like just looking at the landscape. I'm being very smart. I have to be smart because of my age and my body, mm-hmm. but, uh, I want to do wrestling school. Uh, we talked about that with the other luchas. I got some books coming up. I got a, you know, toy deal with Mass Republic that we're oh, about to awesome. put out because I wanted to put out my first action figure with my first set of gear that yeah. WWE never put out. So I was like, it's important for me to have that. Yeah. But um, wrestling wise, every week I'm doing something so they could check out www.luchalit.com. My schedule's right there every week. I update it. And I'm staying busy, Renee. Well, dude, it's so good to see you. So happy to see you just doing so well. Um, and thanks for, you know, telling your story. You've been through so much. Um, and to see just like the man that you are and the person that you are um, and that you you wear that stuff all on your sleeve is really cool to see. Well, I really do appreciate you uh, having me on. This was one of the only food podcasts I really wanted to be on. I was I was like, is she ever going to ask me? I hope she does. Uh, but I'm really glad that you did because you you just said it. I wanted everybody to know, like, I'm not just a luchador. I am a man. Like, I really am a grown ass man with grown ass responsibilities and feelings. Like, yeah, there's more to me than just this mass. So 100%. I appreciate you having me yeah. on. Hey, guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports, well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport, and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. Your love of Bobby the Brain Heenan. You're wearing his shirt right now. I have a side note to this, but let's get into just your love of wrestling and your love of uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I didn't realize when I was little that I loved Bobby the Brain Heenan because, of course, I hated Bobby the Brain Heenan. Because he was very good. And I was rooting for Hulk Hogan against Andre the Giant. And Heenan was just so fantastic as a bad guy that I hated him. And as the years went on, and as I got more and more invested in sort of wrestling on a deeper level, I was just like, man, this guy was the biggest foil for Hulk Hogan. Like, the other players rotated, but he was the guy the whole time. Like, whether he was on commentary or managing... He was always the one 
that made Hulk Hogan work in a lot of ways. So like when people talk about Hulk Hogan's greatest adversaries, I always think it's Heenan. You know, they mentioned Andre or Warrior, Savage, whoever they you want to be. Heenan's the consistent figure through so much of that. And on top of that, he was hilarious. You know, these days, a lot of the things that he said, I'm sure would not play in, in 2022. But in 1987, in 89, he was, man, just sharp. And, and him and Gorilla, there was a, the, the way that they improv doing primetime wrestling and things like that. I just sit there right now to this day and just chuckle. It is my nothing like me in relax mode is like I have nothing to do and I have an episode of primetime on and I'm just watching the two of them talk about the lamest, you know, junkyard dog Ted RCD's match. And and the two of them are just like, you know, Bobby's complaining about Christmas coming up and not wanting to spend money and Gorilla saying, will you stop? And I'm just like. This is the part I really fell in love with. Like the in-ring stuff is really cool, but that's what I love. How much do you wish and still hope that there's an opportunity for you to be able to do that? Which part of it? The commentary or management? Either. Commentary comes to mind, but on the management side as well. I love my job right now. I find it very interesting, but like an interesting run where like there's someone that makes sense who's from New York, who's hip hop related, who's Jewish whatever the thing is. And it's like, yo, you can help make this guy bigger. I would love to have a run to do that. The commentary piece I've always been interested in and I've expressed it before. Truthfully, my ability to be available to learn in the way I would need to and then to be there for it constantly would require probably a different lifestyle altogether and and not having this job. What I've reconciled is that I have like the best job in WWE. I show up, I do my thing, I get to hang out and be a part of it. And then I get to go home with my likeness and talk about the things I want to talk about. I might say I want to do a lot of other things, but a lot of the people who do those things are like, dude, do what you're doing. But I'm glad you asked it because the truth is it is an itch I'd like to scratch. I would love to get a chance you know, even if it was just to get to host a show like Primetime, like even if it was to get to, to bring back Primetime or Tuesday Night Titans. Don't even fucking start with me with Tuesday Night Titans. I know you and I've talked about this before. How great would like if you and I got to host that together? Either one of us at the main desk and the other one at the chair next to you talking shit. I'm good either direction. It would be so fun. I mean, I kind of want to be at the main desk, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Well, by the way, I have a hunch if this were ever to happen based on our status, you would be the one at the main desk. So don't you worry about it. But like, I would love to be the heat into your Vince McMahon, you know, or the Lord Alfred Hayes to your Vince McMahon. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know how much they're focused on that kind of stuff for Peacock. But yeah, I would love the chance to do that, man. That's the that's the most fun shit I've ever gotten to do was when I get to be like in some sort of character. Well, there's like the layers of it. It's like, you know, when you talk about like doing the kickoff show and how you're like, well, I'm in the show. I'm a part of the show and that's it. But then there's the other layer of like, oh, I'm like now I'm like a different layer of being in the show. You know, like when I went from like doing backstage interviews and hosting things and whatever. But like when I got to do this stuff with Miz um, and with Maurice, like that was such a different experience. And I was so excited to do that because I really wanted to scratch that like performance bug where I was like, yes, I want to do that shit. Like I'll take a slap. I'll slap somebody which I missed, but... And you did. You took the hell out of a slap. I, I took a slap like a champ. Oh, um, you sure did. And Miz just sold my slap like a champ because I actually missed him. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Yeah, yeah. 
Did you miss him or were you just being kind of scared and you paintbrushed him? It was a combination of the two. Um, I know I know I was talking to Natty about it. I'm trying to think of who else I was talking to, but they're like, whatever you do, just like keep your eye on the target and hit. But I wanted to crank it back. So when I cranked it back, I stopped looking at him. And then I went to hit him and I was like, whoop, where's my target? Where'd I go? Swing and a miss. Isn't it wild how when you have to do one physical thing live and get it right, it's terrifying. And you're like, wait, they do this. Do you know how long I worked with people on that nutshell? <laughs> I bet. I had Orton, I had MVP, everyone was sitting around being like, no, bro, here's what you need to do. And I'm like, uh, 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 how do I, and then I have to get the, how do I, uh, and I'm like, this is nothing. You wouldn't even think of it as a real thing. And yet I was like, but you have to get it right. Our truth told me, this is one of my favorite things. Our truth was like, if you fuck it up, I'm kicking out. <laughs> I was like, okay, 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 okay. I was like, I got this. I love Truth. He's the fucking best. Dude, he's special. Also, can we just say like whatever cologne he wears, the man always smells like a million bucks. He's 50 years old. His abs, his calves. Fuck it. No, like don't, his, his abs are one thing legit. Have you seen this man's calves? I don't know if I, I've kind of been sleeping on his calves. <laughs> I, they're insane. Next time you see Truth, tell him you got to get eyes on those calves. Truth, I got to get my eyes on those calves right now. Honestly, the WWE has been the big dog for a long time. I understand why fans like to take their shots. Yo, for as much as people will talk about whatever, there are so many great people there. And like, honestly, talent in particular, there's very little on-camera talent that I don't think highly of. I don't have a bad word to say about really anyone there. I mean, did, you know, were there a couple of things that I'm like, eh, I didn't love this or whatever. But like, as far as like human beings go, like, man, that's the one thing that like legit left like a little, it left a little like hole in my heart where like for me to walk away and like not see those people all the time. Like I fucking love those people. When you walk into a building and the first, like the last two shows ago, first people I walk in, I see, I walk in and see the new day rolling around in the ring in like the practice ring. When those are the first people you see in a day, you're having a good day. 100%. Like, I don't know if anyone is more legit a good guy in real life than those dudes. By the way, happy birthday, Big E, as we record this. Happy birthday, Big E. I was texting with him earlier and like, and that's like a prime example. It's like, I just shot him a text. Happy birthday, buddy. Hope you have a great one. And then like, we get into a whole conversation about killing Eve and like why 1883 is a beautiful show and like the loopholes in, in euphoria. I don't know 1883. Dude, it's great. It's a prequel to Yellowstone. I haven't seen Yellowstone either or Yellow Jackets. Well, watch all of them. Have you seen all? I've seen all of these. Yellow Jackets and Yellowstone. Yes. Wow. Which is better? Yellowstone, for sure. It's long. It's a little slow to start. But once you get into it, great characters, great writing. It's beautiful. Great show. But then 1883 is a prequel to that of how they end up in Montana on the ranch. And uh, it, it's awesome. It's All right. I'm writing this down. OK. It's Faith Hill and Tim McGraw are the main characters. What? Which at first, I was like, I was like, that's going to be so distracting. I don't know that I can watch this. Oh, my God. They're exceptional. And the the um, girl that plays their daughter, Isabel May. Wow. What a stunner that thing is. Really? Ooh. 
Really? She's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I love it. It's a great show, but that show just ended. Okay, say say less. I'm adding this to my list. We're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you about your late night show that you were doing. What was that experience like? Because I feel like that really is kind of the dream. You know, you and I talked Tuesday Night Titans and what you were able to do with that show. It's funny. I was thinking about this not long ago because everyone's always talking about Pete Davidson. And I didn't know who Pete Davidson was until I saw him on your show. And I was like, who's this man with these fucking beautiful teeth? What's going on? That is so hilarious that that's how you got familiar with him. That's that's so funny. I'm really proud of it in retrospect. At the time, we made a huge mistake. The huge mistake we made was I'm working two jobs in radio and we're like, we're going to do a late night show. And not only do we do a late night show, it's going to have three different scenes in each episode. That means weekly we have to be able to book more than three guests because one's a panel. So a three guest panel and then two separate guests. That's five bookings per week for my show and multiple locations. We're doing one segment out of studio every time, regardless what that is. And some of them were really great. We did a TV show for YouTube and we learned quickly that even though we had some episodes that did well, we learned like we were like, people don't consume YouTube this way. They don't watch a 30 minute show that does three different things with all kinds of different people. Even though I've gone back and watched recently and I was like, yo, first of all, my guest list in retrospect was pretty great. And the things we did were pretty cool. But the whole time I was doing it, I kept thinking if I didn't have these other two jobs and I was just in this office all day, every day, we could fucking be crushing this. But I would show up there for a couple hours a week and try to squeeze it all in. And it was hard. It's also like, I feel like, you know, I, I've had, you know, different conversations of like wanting to do something similar or trying to create a show, whatever. And everyone's always trying to reinvent the fucking wheel of a late night show. And what's this show? But how is it different? Well, it's different because we're walking and talking and we're doing this and we're moving set pieces and blah, blah, blah. It's like end of the day when I mean, obviously Letterman's the fucking man anyways. But what he was able to do with his new show on Netflix, we're like, they just go out on a stage. and They just have a conversation. It's so simple. I mean, they have the other shots that they get to. But like the bare bones of it is I'm just having a great conversation on a pretty dead set. It's about finding the right place to do the thing that suits you. I do well having regular conversations with people. What is the format that fits and people would be coming there to see that. And then furthermore, these days, particularly what is making it different than every other human on earth who's doing exactly what you and I are doing right now. This technology advancement has been amazing, but now there were already a billion shows. Now with us all being able to do this, there's 10 billion shows. So how do you do it? Everyone go away. Everyone get out of the way. Uh, back up. Get out of my light. I know it's a pain in the ass, um, but it was fun. And there are episodes I'm proud of. The Pete Davidson one was a very interesting episode. Every one of them had sort of a story of how they came to be and crazy shit that happened around it. And I think in retrospect, I'm proud of it. I thought it was really great. I mean, I, I mean, as like your friend, I was like, fuck yeah, look at you go. But there was also part of me being like, wait, I want to do that. Like, you know, it was like it was both things, which I think is a great thing. How do you think when I, I felt when you got the um, Fox WWE gig? Yeah, that was a good gig. I was like, wait, a studio hosted interview wrestling show? This sounds I like a good I could do that. Fit. I know. <laughs> and I totally understand. And that's the, um, <laughs> my hope is as the years go on, I get better 
at my first reaction being, yeah, go you instead of it should be me. (laughs) (laughs) You're shit and I'd be better. (laughs) I don't ever actually like feel that way, but sometimes I watch things. I'm like, oh man, like that's so cool that you got to do this thing. And I thought it looked really great. And I thought you were great in the role. Um, so, I mean, it, I, and you know what, even though it's a thing that like doesn't exist anymore, it's a thing that you did and it was awesome. And yeah, you can look back on it and be proud of it. And it's a thing that turns into the next thing. There are moments that mattered. You know, when, when Mac Miller passed away, we did, I insisted on us doing an entire show about him. The higher ups did not want to do it. I said, It's the only option to do a show this week, Um, A, because of where I was personally about it. And just because, like, if we don't do this, who's doing it? And that's why that show was special. And your credibility in that space as well, you know, like your name's on the line with that. And I appreciate that. And, And if you were to go back and look at it, when Mac passed away, we're the only place We spent an hour on his life and I had four really big artists talking about Mac. And then we did a full conversation, a panel, roundtable panel about him. It made sense and it was a show that meant to exist. Complex also a weird place. At the time I'm doing the show, I'm a 39, 40 year old white guy. Everything on Complex's channel is like the cast of Euphoria. And then like a slice of pizza and then like Tyler, the creator. I think trying to sell me to that audience is a little bit like I, I, I'm good and I'm talented and I and whatever. But I, I always also felt like I'm a little old to be the guy we're trying to put in this spot. We're in like that weird age gap because I feel I mean, I'm 36 right now. And yeah, it's like, where do I belong? I'm certainly not young, but I'm not old. Like, where do I go? It's it's like that really weird spot. But it's also the sweet spot because I feel like you're really kind of hitting your stride in these years that like. You've got the experience, but like you're still kind of got your shit together. But it's, it's trying to find where you really belong in these like formative years. The beautiful part is, is the world is disgusting. And since I'm a man, in theory, I have more time to figure this out. So you have to panic for the next 10 years. And then you'll start getting all kinds. You know what? I don't because I just cut bangs and I can get Botox. So put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it. Well, I was about to say, then you'll start doing all weird work and I'll be texting your friends like, is it me or does Renee look like different this week? Oh, if I see like a text thread of you, Mansuri and Graves just being like, what's up with her? (laughs) Something happened here. (laughs) Renee looks different. No, but but it is. I I totally feel you on the time we're at in life. It's um. Powerful in that you feel like you know what you're doing and you're settled in who you are. And also you're like, well, what am I doing, though? What's going to be? Did I already do my big thing? Am I going to am I like, I'm sure you think that you're like, wait, do I have the next thing that's going to be my big thing? Or was it going to be the wrestling? I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time. That's one of those things. Like we're talking about the arguments at night. I think about that shit at night when I'm going to sleep sometimes. And I'm like, is it all in the rearview mirror now? Like, I don't I, I think about that shit all the time. Well, listen, if that happens. Worst case scenario, you go to WrestleCon a couple times a year, you you sign some cards, get that bag, and keep the shit moving. You're going to be all right. Work with some indie shows, become John's valet. Fortunately, you're married to one of the hottest wrestling stars in the world right now. Who, Why by the way, would he just let me be his valet? Does he understand what I would bring to the table? I have a lot to offer. We're going to see something one day. I hope so. We have to see something one day. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Dude, I feel like we've gone like way over the time. Well, only like 10 minutes over the time, but I could talk to you for forever. Um, I will let you go. 
But thanks for coming on and being a part of the sessions. You're the best. First of all, I love the oral and <laughs> I apologize. I feel like I talked endlessly to every question you asked. I love that. That's what the show's about. We started the show off with a great conversation about social media and knee jerk reactions and getting in arguments with people and shit. And I don't know. And then we talked some real life stuff and back to work. I don't know. We did. We covered some real stuff. And yeah, I mean, listen, I told you this when you left WWE, but I tell everyone every, every chance I get, you were just so kind and warm to me and made me feel comfortable. Like until I figured out what I was doing, I was just kind of like attached to you to be like, what, what are we doing here? And then, you know, like they'd say, hey, you're going to do talking smack tonight. And I'd be like, oh, OK. And, and just you'd be like, oh, I got you. Let's let's just go. And I was always super, super grateful. And your presence is certainly missed. Very much so. And I want to be clear. Fortunately, I adore Kayla. She's doing a fantastic job. Love her. And she's a she's a pleasure to work with and, and a pro. And Kevin Patrick now is an absolute pro and the, the sweetest man in the world. I've heard he's quite lovely. Hey, Renee, I, 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 it's such a pleasure. We got to sit down and have a pint. The second <laughs> you I mean, he's just the, he's like literally that. like a walking stereotype of sweet <laughs> Irish man. Like, that is like literally who he is. But but you were just always the absolute best. So you are missed there. And maybe one day we'll see you there again. Yeah. Who knows? Listen, who knows? I always had a blast working with you, though. Um, I, you know, I was I really look for as much as I love working with you. I really loved bullshitting with you before and after the shows uh, a lot. We did some good kibitzing. We would sit in um, catering to watch the show afterwards. Renee would like have catering, to Catering, be... the hotel. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a great time. Uh, I know. You sure you don't want to come to WrestleMania and just like sit around? Dip and I and my girlfriend's going. We'll just be in the lobby having drinks at night. It's a great time. Oh, how about that dinner that we got to go to with Dip when we were in New Orleans? Oh, that was a winner. That was a nice spot with like the like charcuterie and stuff. New Orleans is such a treat. I will say, though, I like Dallas. I'm excited for a Dallas return. It's not New Orleans. Nothing's nothing, right. no. New Orleans. Is, New, Orleans. New Orleans is the <laughs> best, best city to visit. By the way, I just looked at my hand. Have you ever seen the movie Ernest Goes to Jail? Uh, yeah, I've seen all the Ernest movies. Ernest P. Worrell. Do you know when Ernest P. Worrell is in the jury and he starts messing with the pen and before he knows it, he has ink all over his hands <laughs> and then he has to like clean it up with the tissue and puts the tissue in his mouth. I just looked at my hand and was just like, what is, well, I don't know what happened. It's on my desk. I have to clean this now, but okay. Uh, in the words of Ernest P. Worrell, ew. <laughs> Yo, if you don't know, I don't know that you should know, but you'll never know. Okay. <laughs> Ernest goes to camp and saves Christmas for me are where it's at. I love Ernest saves Christmas. Last thing I'll tell you, cause you will adore this. One of the biggest fights I got into with my dad when I was 10 years old, he would not take me to Ernest saves Christmas. And I was like, you would take me if you were a real dad. Like that was a bit, I was like, I can't believe you won't take me to Ernest Saves Christmas. The disrespect. Ernest Saves Christmas is a big one. It's funny. My brother actually sent me that on Blu-ray years ago. So I actually have a copy of it somewhere in this house. Wow. And they made Ernest Saves Christmas on Blu-ray. Yeah. I own it on my iTunes as well. So. By the way, have you gone down the YouTube uh, hole of like how he got started, Jim Varney? No. You don't remember that he just did commercials? Well, we didn't get a lot of the same commercials in Canada either. Go look up Ernest commercials. So many products. He did everything. And he'd always be talking to the camera. Was he like the original Sham Wow guy? 
It's not that though, because he had a character and he would just be like, hey, Vern, you know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern? And he just say, know what I mean, Vern, all the time to the camera. You don't know who Vern is. And he's just talking to camera about any product. He did everything. If you end up down the, the rabbit hole, there's every product imaginable he did the commercial for. And then it blew up and he did like a whole bunch of movies. And then he died real young, but they were, uh, it was a legendary moment. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking Having this interview, having a hangout, it's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.